Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Woodman Corner, the Albion podcast that makes being an Albion fan slightly less tedious. Uh, I'm Graham Brown, I'm here with Joe Chapman. Hello Graham, how are you? I am alright, how, how tedious has been an Albion fan for you? Um, it's, uh, hmm. yeah, come back to me at the end of the season. Yeah, that, 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 that probably says everything. So what we're going to show for you today, well, um, we thought seeing as uh, it's a new year and we hopefully have got a, uh, a few new listeners over the festive period, we would do a bit of a best of. So we're going to um, have a look back at some of the, uh, at the coolest things that, uh, that, some, that people have said to us over the course of this, the likes of Andy Johnson, Gary Megson, uh, Carlton Palmer, Liam Ridgewell, some of the funny stories that they've had. So we'll just uh, round together some of their best ofs. And then uh, we have a new interview as well uh, that we'll lead on to, which is with Adon Nabi. I had a really, really good chat with him um, about uh, about how it came about to Albion, his his findings there. What I thought was particularly interesting was the players that uh, that were most helpful to him, which are probably some of the more unpopular players of his uh, era. Um, Joe, did you ever see Nabi play? I do. You know what? I don't think I did. He, obviously, there was a number of occasions where he played in the under twenty threes and famously scored that hat trick against Villa. But I don't actually think I ever saw Adil Nabi in the flesh. Uh, which, well, as you say, I saw Sam here, but um, never a deal. No, well, that's the same for me as well, but I think he's, he's someone, you know, the, 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 the three of them are, are kind of familiar to Albion fans, and I can tell you, just the nicest bloke. I mean, actually, yeah, the process of creating this podcast, you know, I spoke to a lot of footballers, and it's been great, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. Well, it's been brilliant talking to some some people. Liam was great last week. Andy Johnson, great, great bloke. Adol Nabi, such a nice guy. Just could not do any more to help us. Asked, asked him. He was he was kind of straight on there. Um, really, really good bloke, and that will come across. But anyway, first uh, we are going to uh, take a look at some of our best moments of uh, doing the podcast for the last few months. So, so one of the things that we, we we hope to do with this podcast is try and give people kind of an insight into to uh, to the the club often as was because I don't think players now could necessarily talk kind of freely about it but question what we plan to ask everyone is um, what's your favourite story related to West Bromwich Albion can you think of a time there something, <laughs> something that fondly happened uh, millions I mean absolutely millions of them um, <sighs> I can sense you're trying to work out the ones you're allowed to say I mean, yeah that's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to do yeah without, without trying to edit it I mean it, one of the ones Jonathan Greening when he signed was like a, Jono's one of my closest mates and he's as mad as a box of frogs you know <laughs> I love him to bits and we were in Portugal on a pre-season and uh, we were like God it's hot in it and he said yeah it was a different sun in it <laughs> and he thought there was two sons you know and, and you know there were, we had like these houses and there was four in a house and um, girls shut up and uh, there was me and Jono sharing a room and there was Paul Robinson and all sharing a room and we were playing um uh, Scrabble, and John, honestly, Jono is just—he yeah, ain't 
thick is just stupid and says <laughs> stupid things. So I've got one three-letter word, fog, F-U-G, thug. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, I had to leave the room. And me and Jono and Robbo, you know, absolutely screaming, screaming. And <clears throat> we had the <clears throat> uh, Writers' Dinners Award. And uh, Mago asked me and Derek McInnes to go along. So we were sat on different tables and stuff like that. Anyway, we come back in the next day and... Uh, and they go, hey, all right, lads, meeting in the dressing room. He says, oh, Derek, John, have a good night last night? Yeah, not too bad, Gaffer. Oh, really, did you? Like that sort of thing. And uh, So you might have to edit that. <laughs> um, he said, oh, the MD of Coca-Cola was sponsoring the league or something at the time. We had a table photograph and I'm sat there with my V's up and stuff like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I ruined the picture and he wasn't very happy. But I, mean, I sat next to Bully that night. We had, a, we had a great night. I mean, there's the one where I had to show me bum in uh, Rackham. Well, the lad showed his bum in Rackham's window if I'd scored a goal. And I showed me bum on the pitch. And, uh, you know, it, it's just it, it, absolutely just crazy, crazy memories. You know, it's like when... Um, Oh, what's his bloody name now? Nookie Bear, we used to call him, because his eyes were like that. Uh, Trevor Benjamin. Yes. Um, yeah. When he signed in that, we used to... We, back then, you always played cards. I mean, I was, I was talking to Moore the other day, and the lads have all got their electrical gadgets and their headphones on. Now, he's, after a win, he said, the coach is just silent because yeah. everyone's on their gadgets. But we used to sit and play cards, and uh, Trevor, he, you know, his eyes were... He was boss-eyed, and I don't know whether he could see at all, to be honest. And uh, we, you'd play cards, and you'd tell him sort of uh, trumps were spades. <laughs> and, he, and he was putting clubs down because he couldn't see, you know, he knew it was black, but he didn't know what one it was. And we used to fleece him all the time, you know. <laughs> oh, Trev's on, come on, let's play cards because you take all his money off him, like, you know. Just just so many, so many great times. And all the staff at the club, you know, and uh, were just different class, you know. And, it's you know, there's still a few up there. I mean, I got quite I'm a member of the uh, WBA uh, F. PA uh, West Bromwich Owen Football Players uh, yes. Association, and I go up and do bits in the lounges uh, now and again, and uh, you know I speak to Martin uh, now and again, and started doing quite a lot of different charity uh, events and sort of um, doing a table Q and A's and things like that now, which is which is fantastic, and people say, oh, thanks ever so much. Do you want anything? To do? And you don't want anything for doing it. You know, it's it's like I said to you earlier. It's, I love sharing my experiences because that's forget about the money side of things because you know it's everyone says about the money sort of nowadays but the money was great when we were playing compared to what the man in the street was earning the money was great when Sir Bobby Charlton and, and, and George Best were playing compared to you know it, it, unfortunately for them guys they never had the, the infrastructure of like the, the PFA or guidance to how to look after it whereas we did and these lads don't have to you know they can, they can do what they like um but the best thing that I've ever took out of it is, is just the whole thing. Just such an honour and a privilege to play for every single club I was at. You know, uh, my fondest memories are at West Brom because of what we did and, and, and the rapport we had with the supporters and stuff. Like that. And, you know, and uh, we won the championship with Nottingham Forest and had great times there. But West Brom will always be sort of the, the, the number one. Tell me one funny story that from, your, from your career as a footballer. What, 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 I'm putting you on the spot again, what would it be? Well, it would have been the, the, the one that's in the book about the QPR game. I mean, that was quite surreal, really. Um, it wasn't planned, uh, it wasn't preempted, and, you know, I was stitched up by Waddle and Woods. They both knew that they weren't playing. Um, you know, I thought we were all in the same boat until the team was named on the Saturday, and, you know. But 
as, it, it, as I say, it is what it is. So was, what's the deal then? Not without giving too much away. To, to talk us through to anybody who's not, not ready. Well, we had a game. We're playing QPR uh, New Year's New Year's uh, Day, yeah. and we went down to London the day before. You were at Wednesday, yeah. Yeah, we went down to London the day before. But Trevor lived in London, so he went back to his 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 house, and uh, we we got down there at lunchtime, and the, the game's not till the following lunchtime. So we we. The lads were going to go and have a few drinks at the, at, at the pub that was local um, and it ended up being a session. So at four o'clock in the morning, I'm coming out at Tramp's nightclub and we've got a game at 12 o'clock against QPR. <laughs> and then we get a team meeting the next morning and them two aren't playing. What are in woods? They both failed fitness tests. They know they weren't playing and I was playing. So, you know, uh, it, was a, it was a nightmare because, you know, but we ended up winning. We were on a, um, you know, nineteen game unbeaten run, and you know, as you you, you do, you, you you. At the end of the day, I knew what I was doing, but when it comes down to it's time to play, the whistle goes. You get on with it. You do what you've got to do. It makes no difference. And I, as I say in the book, if alcohol had, had affected my performances and the way I trained, yeah. I would have knocked it on the head. But it didn't. I trained better or played better when I had a drink. And tell us how Trevor found out. Well, it was well because we I didn't know, but Woodsy was in there, and like Woodsy knows um, Rod Stewart, and he was in there with his missus, and I, I see some guy with his ear all over the place, and 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 I see what, but and so as we're coming out, we get photographed, but they weren't there for us. They were there for Rod Stewart. It just so happens that we give him a likely story and that Wait, whatever. Well, Chris Woods is back or something. Yeah, dodgy well, tracksuit. No, it, it, well, a Mizuno <laughs> tracksuit. The sponsors were happy, but you know, yeah. So we had to donate some money to charity, and and I, but it caused a problem because I think it it got to a point with Trevor Francis that you know he found that he, he was thinking that I was hard work to work with, but it, it's it, ironic he sold me and then his first job. After he got the sack from Sheffield Wednesday at Birmingham, he tried to buy me, make me the first signing for Birmingham. Any big dressing room personalities at the Albion? Is there, is there, is there any stories you can tell about uh, about any dressing room hijinks? <laughs> well, to be fair, I probably had the most one where I got stitched up with the, uh, the toilet. <laughs> and when I came in the next day, Stephen Reid and James Morrison had, uh, and a couple of others filled my... Filled my uh, Locked on uh, in the change room with all the toilet paper and everything. So as I opened it, it all, all emptied out and, and fell out on me. So uh, <laughs> that's probably the biggest one. Um, you know, the normal antiques of, you know, uh, take, taking stuff and hiding it and hanging people's clothes up and hiding cars so people couldn't find it. I mean, uh, that was probably probably the big ones. And obviously, once Craig Gardner's a big character, I had a good time with it at Birmingham and done a lot of pranks there with him and when he came. Obviously, had a short time, but uh, you know he's always always a good crack in the change room. That's true. So I was going to ask you who who would be the principal culprit of hiding cars? But oh. is, is that is it a Craig is that a Craig Gardner thing? It was yeah, the Craig Gardner thing. If if he's around, that that would be a big one. That he'd be main culprit. I mean, we <laughs> uh, we, we me and Craig hid someone a uh, Fiji's car in uh, actually Masuse's car in Birmingham and hid it, and he was nearly going to call the police because it was his dad's car. <laughs> worried that it has been stolen. And uh, he went straight to Craig and then came for me. So, uh, yeah, anything goes missing or anything hidden or anything done, it's probably Craig being bored and being injured and everyone else outside. So uh, you've got to be careful there. So who was your, mate, uh, your best mate at the Albion? Yeah, I mean, we had a few. I mean, we went around. I obviously knew Byers Mile um, from my early uh, young days at Villa. So I knew him very well, which was great. 
Um, Foz who got on really well with because I knew him from him coming on loan to Birmingham. Of course, yeah. Um, James Morrison got on really well with um, Graham Dorans. Uh, only lived around the corner for him, so got on really well with him. Um, you know, Stephen Reid obviously got on really well with him, uh, being an older one as well. So we had we had a lot of good, you know, lot of lot of players that got on really well with each other. You know, any Christmas party, any any night out, or any. Any social events, there was there was a lot of people there, which was good, and, and that's the type of bond we had. That's why we done so well in them them two two years, as it was. Yeah, I think it really came across, really. You know, as a t- as a team, yeah. you could kind of see that it was a it was a team that was um it was sort of yeah. close knit, and and a lot of them are still there, aren't they? You know, it, it, it's uh, it, yeah, people... it's no surprise to me. You know, that's what West Brom are. They are a team that work hard for each other. You know, want to make want to you know win the game, get three points for each other, want to work hard. And want to win the game together. That that is West Brom. That is their makeup, and um, you know that's why they've done so well over the years. And um, you know that's why I really enjoyed my time there. You know I love working with people that want to work hard, want to win a game, and uh, you know it, it suited me perfectly. Really. Gary, you, you laid the foundations almost for this club and their Premiership run. The way you, when you came in in 2000 and you, and you, and you kept them in the, the first division and then progressed. Yeah. Just just give us your thoughts on on, on that time. Um, I did my interview. There was a, there was more board members than <laughs> players. <laughs> they were all around this thing. We, we met up at a hotel um, just off the the M1, and they asked me, um, "What did you know about West Brom?" Was one of the questions. And me being me, I just told them what I thought, and I says, um, "I know all about your past, Bobby Hope, Jeff Bomber, all those people." And I know you're always falling out with each other all the time. <laughs> they kept changing over the board all the time. I says, so. And one of them got rubbed up the wrong way, but the chairman at the time says, well, he's honest and he's right. So anyway, it must have gone okay. But you just, there was, um, at some point I'm going to ask the club if, I, if they'll let me write this book that I'd like to do, because it's not, not a nasty thing, but it's, um, it, it, I think it'd be quite entertaining for the people around here. But um, one of the things that happened, I've brought Frank Burroughs in here, and we were training, and we had half a rugby pitch to train on at the time, not this. And um, and I didn't want to upset any of the players, so I brought them all in, and we all played against a, a game against each other. But it was something like a 12-a-side. It was stupid, like you're playing the, the school. But I wanted to keep everybody together, so Frank was on the side. So we played for about half an hour. So I went jogging over afterwards. I says, uh, what do you think? <clears throat> he says, um, we've got three players. <laughs> oh, Christ. I said, three? He went, yep. You, Cyril, and Lee Hughes. <laughs> and he weren't far off. But it just needed a complete sea change. It was, um, you know, there's a lot of players here using it as a rest home. It was a great place to be, good club, poodle about. Never get anywhere, just finish above relegation and in a bad year you might go down. And that time, that game that was talking about, the young players that we had, as soon as the whistle went to finish, they were gone. Nobody stayed behind, nobody practised, nobody brought the balls in, all the bibs. And it was just like a bit of a jolly up club. And it just needed a complete change of attitude. We brought players in like McInnes, like Appleton, like Fox, people like that. And then <clears throat> Tony Butler, you know, just honest players. We needed honest, good players. And we signed five of them after a game at Portsmouth because I thought we were going down. And I'm sure we would have gone down. We just needed to change for change's sake. And we brought in people who weren't fit. We brought in people who were in reserve teams. Tony Butler from Port Vale, which was below us, just to get that little bit of a, a boost. And um, you know, fortunately, we stayed up and then kicked on from there.
I don't thank you ever so much for coming on and seeing us at uh, at Woodman Corner. And um, I'll start off by asking you the question that we ask everyone who comes on our podcast. Tell us your favourite story about West Bromwich Albion. Um, well, I've got quite a few to be honest because I've been there since what seven eight years old. Um, as a fan, obviously growing up when I was younger, uh, probably the game. Um, I think it was the last day of the season. I think it was against Portsmouth, I think. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Uh, we were there. I was there with my dad. Um, we got tickets, obviously, because to the club. And that game, I think it was 2 0, I think. Uh, might have been Jeff Orsfield. Uh, I think it might have been Kieran Richardson. That's right, yeah. Kieran Richardson, about 60 minutes, Jeff Orsfield in the dying moments, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that was probably the first time I thought, wow, I can't wait to be, you know what I mean? I'd love to just be there and actually be a part of the game one day in the future. And yeah. Just that whole day was just unbelievable. I think that as a fan growing up as a kid uh, was probably my best moment. Um, obviously, yeah. playing-wise, I think I think the, probably the hat-trick at, at Villa, uh, at the Hawthorns, um, was probably one of my favourite moments. And obviously, then sitting on the bench at stadiums like, you know, in the Premier League, at Man City, uh, you know, Reading, and, and obviously all the football clubs being involved in them was just was just fantastic. Um, I wanted to ask you about the hatchery against uh, against Villa under twenty ones because I mean it's an, it's an amazing thing to have as as a young man. I mean, how does that feel? Obviously, it's 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 in the kind of infancy of your career and that, but it must have been an amazing night. You, know, you must have not got much sleep after doing that. <laughs> not because obviously I I well used to live not far from the Villa ground, so going to train into West Brom, I used to go past the Villa ground every day, so. I always used to look forward to playing against the Villa. Um, so to score a hat-trick against them, oh, I was just, you know what I mean? As a young kid, you're just overwhelmed because you'd be happy to score a hat-trick in, in PE. Yeah. Uh, um, so doing it there was just fantastic and I don't think that that'll be with me for the rest of my life now. So how did you, that, yeah, you are from the kind of, the, the kind of Brummie side. How did, how did it come to pass that you, as a, such a young man, ended up at the Albion? Um, I, I, you know what? I think because Villa training ground was quite far away from where I live. Yeah. Um, and obviously West Brom, where they train, is not far. It's only literally past Hansworth and then Germany's literally 15 minutes. So yeah. at a young age, obviously from a parent, you know, it would be difficult to travel. I think the training ground in Villa's in Tamworth, so it would be easy just to go 20 minutes up the road to go to the West Brom training ground. So really, that's how it happened, and from there I just continued it, and that's why I just carried on and carried on and just progressed, really. And I think you're, you're you're kind of from an era of players. I mean, I'm I'm 35 now, and I sort of remember for the first kind of 10 or 15 years of supporting Albion, we almost we, we we barely really brought anyone through. There was kind of there was uh, Danny Gabidon. Uh, okay. I'm struggling for any for any other names, and then all of a sudden we kind of got to a, an era where um where we were starting to bring through uh, good young players. Um, it must have been an exciting time, I thought, for you to for you to be there. You know, when it, there's there's some big names, kind of a you know that, that they've made out around uh, around you know what was it like? You know, be, being out in an Albion youth team in in that era. Well, awesome because you see, like obviously lads like Chris Ward, you know, Romain Sawyer, Kamaru, Saido, Berhino, and now obviously the boys that are coming through now. You know, I'm seeing them boys progressing. Obviously, I'm younger. I'm younger than obviously the boys that I've named, so. 
to see them can only give you like motivation and inspiration really to see them boys coming through and now obviously they're doing absolutely fantastically well in their, in their teams that they're at now. So, you know, they're my mates. We've grown up since we were younger, so to see them doing well is just fantastic and you know, I mean, just happy for them and just, you know, if I can do the same thing, then that sounds. Who um who would you say is the most talented player you played with? You, know, you played with all these these kids before they kind of broke through. Who was the kind yeah. of mo- who had the most raw talent of anyone you played with in in the Albion youth ranks? Uh, that's a hard one. That is that's actually a tough one. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, um, a lot of names. We were, did you know what we were all literally quality? I'm not, that's not even boasting. We were actually good, good players, and you can see now that. It's you know what I mean? I'm not saying that just to say because obviously they're all playing at a high level and doing fantastically well. But I, I couldn't put a name to that one. I couldn't put a name. That's such a tough question because we're all we're all good players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's an incredible kind of a turnaround. Yeah, as I say. Just, to, just to put one name to it because I, I think there'll be a lot of them that I'll be upset if I said one <laughs> name and I can say the other. <laughs> that's all right. That's that, that's wonderful. So if I can ask you a bit sort of specifics of him, so, so do you play much with Jonathan Leeko? He's a player that Albion, you know, seems to be doing well out at Bristol now. Albion fans are kind of looking forward to coming back and seeing if he ever realises potential at the club. I mean, what were your experiences with him? Yeah, now nah, he's a, he's a raw talent. Um, he he has he's got everything to be honest with you. And just the way he grows as a as a as a young man, and when he comes back and going to Bristol is just fantastic for him. Just to go out there, get games for himself, and come back and do what he's doing there because I hear he's doing fantastically well. So he come back and do that in an Albion shirt, and he's only a young lad now, he's 18, 19. So you know, times on his side, and uh, I think that going out to Bristol would only help him. Do you think but he's got? He's, do you think big, he's a big, big prospect? Do you think he's a he's a Premier League player of the future? Yeah, of course, one hundred percent. Well, he's played a few games already in the Premier League, yeah. so so at a young age, at what eighteen, that he's played already. You know what I mean? You know, he's got a lot of time ahead of him, so he's definitely one for the for West Brom. Yeah, definitely. And then what about Chris Wood? I mean, obviously Chris Wood is a he's a big name in English football now. You know, he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's leading the line at a, a team that's doing well in the Premier. League. Did you see that coming? You, you, was it was he a player you, you you would have thought would have gone that far? Uh, definitely, because Woods' build is, you know, suited to the way he plays and you know the way he's been playing. So, um, with every with everyone, you have ups and downs. Do you know what I mean? And he's had obviously downs as everyone does, and now he's flying. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got a big move in the summer to Burnley, and and now he's flying again, scoring goals in the Premier League. So, you, you always seen it with Woodley to be honest he's, he's always been you know scoring goals from when he's been at the youth teams at West Brom and all the way through so that was always going to come but with everyone with every player every player will say you have ups and downs in your career so and, and I guess I guess probably the player that mo- that most people associate you with there's, there's yourself and Sido up front for the youth team for an, for an awful long time you're both kind of a similar yeah. age and what, yeah. your, what were your experiences playing with him and, 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 and how far I mean obviously he's his, his goals have tailed off lately, but he's, he's got a big move. He's, he's considered a big player. How, how far do you see him going? Do, 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 you, do you think he's going to he sort of bring it back and the goals will come back again? Yeah, Sido, with Sido, you've got nothing to worry about because when he starts scoring, you know what I mean? He's unplayable. Yeah. He, when, he, when he's firing and when he's, you know, when he's, when he's playing regularly and what have you, and it, well, with any striker, do you know what I mean? You go through them patches, you go through them patches where everything you touch goes in, and you get them touches where you can try your hardest and it just won't go in sometimes. So, you know, Sido's proven. 
everybody knows he's a, he's a fantastic footballer and he's a, he's a fantastic goal scorer. So he'll have no issues. He'll be a top top player, and, and he's already a top top player. So yeah, yeah. there's no issue, no issues with that. So when you were at uh, actually, just well, named a few names there. So are you? Do you still knock about with some of these people? Are you still friends with with uh, some of these people we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. We're, obviously, we've grown up from a young age, so. Do you know what I mean? We're always keeping touch with, with each other and, you know, we're, we're friends. We're not just like, you know, teammates or what have you, ex-teammates or, do you know what I mean? We're all mates because we've all grown up from young ages playing together. So we all always talk to each other and see how each other's doing, okay. which is always nice. So one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is kind of try and give people kind of an a, a um an, an inside view of, of what it's like at the club and you know to get, yeah. get a bit of feel for the kind of personalities and that so can you remember when you were there who were the big personalities in the dressing rooms can you remember things people said people did you, you, what, what are your sort of memories of, of, of in the dressing room at the Albion when you were there um, I think as a young player growing up uh, obviously you've got people that have been at the club for a long time people like Chris Brown James Morrison um, then guys are always like you know always willing to help the young boys especially myself because um, I, I used to train with them since a young age. So being with them guys all the time, they were an awesome help. Um, then obviously the new guys that came in after a while, like, you know, um, your Darren Fletcher, your Johnny and Les Scotts, um, that have won major trophies in England. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, we see them as like, do you know what I mean, role models. So, yeah. you know, I still speak to Johnny now and he's just, just like a mentor, really, just to help me out when things are not going so good or when things are going good. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, how big a thing is that? Cause you hear that a lot about, um, you know, how important it is people learn from, um, you know, players who've had a success but on, on the face of it you know on, on almost any level you and Jalen Lescott are almost completely the opposite on the pitch you're playing the opposite side opposite yeah, physique yeah, yeah. but I mean have you, what, what tangibly can you learn from someone like Jalen is it just the kind of uh, the, 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 the aura you go out into the pitch with no 100% because he's well let's be honest he's been there done everything that you'd want to achieve in football yeah um, and he's probably been around world, world, but no, not probably. He has been and played with world class footballers. Um, so if you can just take, you know, just speak to him and just tap into this sort of like, you know, advice, if you could take just a little bit from someone like that about how does, you know, David Silva work or Sergio Aguero work or do you know what I mean? Just to, just to get little tips from him because he's been there, been in the change room, then boy, so. You know what I mean? And he's always willing to, you know, give that advice. And someone of his, you know, stature, he's just fantastic just to hear that from him because it can only help me and help me in my career. Yeah, that's that's um, that's really nice to hear. So, so I mean, you, you you understand the kind of nature of the youth setup now. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and I say it's, it's obviously it obviously made huge leaps forward um, uh, over a period probably in the in the early two thousands. Uh, what, what do you think about the, the structure of the club now? Are we still going to be attracting good young players? And we've got people like Samfield and Lico coming through. Is it still kind of a top quality youth structure we've got there? Do you think? Of course, yeah. West Brom's always been a club that help uh, young players when they're really young, from like nine to sixteen. It's probably one of the best in the country. Because um, in terms of coaching, in terms of the coaches being hands on with the young lads, and you know, just the care that they take in in the academy system is just is just fantastic. I think if there's any young kids that are, you know in the local areas or want to join an academy, 
I think West Brom have to be up there as a young kid going in. Ah, good. Because because they teach you how to be, you know, a, a better human being as well, not just a better footballer. So uh, it's, it's one of them football clubs that just ground you very good. Is there any? Uh, is there any one person at the club that you would particularly thank for for your progression as a player? You know, it'd be interesting to get, kind of get the 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 uh, background. So you mentioned Johnny Unless I don't know if it'd be him, but is, is there any one person you would say this? He's the person that gave me the most help at the Albion. What in terms of a player? Well, no, no. Generally, any person, backroom staff, a coach, anyone, any wow, one person. Wow, one person impossible. <laughs> There's been so many. Really? Because I've been there and seen so many people come that have helped me loads and then gone, and then people that have come in, helped me loads, do you know what I mean, and then gone on, and then, because I've seen so many come and go, and so many that have helped me. Oh. Obviously, people in the academy, obviously, Mark Harrison, obviously, Dan Ashworth that was there before, you know I mean, obviously, now, when I was youth team, I had, like, Keith Downing, uh, Jimmy Shan, and obviously, then you, you'll have, like, your coaches, like Steve Clark, that helped me when I was coming through, Roberto Di Matteo that helped me, Oh, um, and then obviously loads of players like Peter Odom Wingy, Joey and Lescott, uh, Anitrabi, uh, Malumbu, all these boys that, that continue to help me now and I keep in contact with. So there's so many. Do you know it's interesting? Not, it wouldn't be nice not to just say one, but there's so many in different different walks of life. It's interesting in the course of this. I, I, can't, I keep coming past people who have nothing but nice things to say about Peter Odom Wingy. Can, can you talk, talk to us about how, we, um, how he helped you? Who, Peter? Yeah. Peter, Peter, when I was there, he was first class with me. Really? He was like someone who I used to speak to all the time. Um, because we, I got injured near enough the time that he was injured as well. And we really got to know each other a lot more. And I don't know where people get some of the stuff they say about him. But I can only say high praise about the guy. He's not just a footballer, a world-class footballer, but just a top, top human being. Ah, good. I, you know, I think history will will uh, will tell better for for Peter. I mean, yeah, the, the, the way the way things happen were quite were sort of quite obscure. But I think I think Albion yeah. fans are already coming around to the idea that you know he was a godsend really to someone that knew how to put the ball in the back of the net. At the Premier League yeah, level. Yeah, he scored twenty goals and yeah. you know what I mean, put us put us in a good position. So, so, so tell us how uh, how are things going for you now and your brothers. I mean, I think I think yeah, they're, they're, they're all names that Albion fans. Uh, yeah. That, that, yeah, hold dear and remember yeah. how, how are things going for you all? Yeah, yeah it's going, uh, going okay. Obviously, I'm at Peterborough United. Um, Samir's at Carlisle United and Rahit is at Burnley. Um, we're doing okay. Obviously, uh, you know, we know that the West Brom fans, you know, really, really took to us while we were there and, you know, we can't thank them enough. But even now, we get a lot of, like, you know, support from the West Brom fans and, and we don't even play for the club no more, <laughs> so you know that's that's overwhelming because we still we still look at the results, we still speak to people that are still at the club now, um, and just to, you know just to see some of the comments that they write on social media just overwhelming sometimes. And you know we're doing okay, we're just going about our business, and you know hopefully one day we can uh, get back to the highest level. Well, I think as. Uh, I, I just like to say, I think that's re- reciprocated from the fans. I think I think you. I mean, Albion fans on mass just really want uh, hope the best things kind of happen for you. And um, I don't, I'll just start to say, top man, you know, I, I um, asked a load of people to come on our podcast. You're one of the first people to come back and say yes. So I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, and on, be, on no behalf problem. of Albion fans, I, I hope it uh, it goes well for you in the future. No problem. So 
always, always for the West Brom fans, I've always got time for always without a doubt, right? You're a gentleman. So again, thank you to Adam Nabi for that, uh, and that's uh, that's all for this week. Um, podcasts are probably going to become a bit more regular now across January, hopefully with a bit more business coming in. Uh, looking forward to January transfer window, Joe. I am. I'm intrigued by what Albion can do. To be honest, we all know about the the financial fair play restrictions and that kind of thing, and Albion are going to have to, you know, box clever. I think um, it, it obviously it'll, it might mean that players have got to leave before they can, can come in but um, yeah I'm int- interested to see what kind of player Alan Pardew is after yes as I said keep, keep an eye out for breakout podcast if ever there's anything to chat about we'll get straight on here um, and as I always say uh, if you like our podcast tell your friends if you don't come in and help us make them better this is an Albion fan podcast so we want you to get involved you can get us uh, you can reach me and Joe by email we're very easy to find Joe, uh, Joe Chapman and Graham Brown on Twitter or Woodman Podcast on Twitter Uh, In the meantime, a happy new year to you all and onwards and upwards to the next Woodman podcast.